Welcome to Cannabis Network Radio. I'm your host, David Kowalski, along with co-host and a Poe. What up, Poe? Dave, how are you? Um, 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 I am. It's Monday. <laughs> it is Monday. I it feel is. like it's like everyone else's Monday this week. I'm, I'm not feeling up to par. I'm 100 feet banned from the Liberty Bell now, and uh, well, the good news is the federal government shut down, I guess. Huh? Well, so if the federal government shuts down, does that mean that uh, that um, there's no going to be security or anything at the park? So can we go play there and do what we want? You know, whatever. Oh, speaking of which, I do have to say this. I'm going to say it on the air, and I forgot to share this with, the, with you earlier, Poe. Uh, before I went to smoke down Prohibition, I called the Park Service, and I called the administrator, and I called the deputy administrator of whatever in Washington, D.C., and I got a phone call this afternoon. Um, I f- remind me later to tell you, but I'm telling everyone else. Um, but the guy left me a message. He wants us to call him tomorrow morning to talk with him oh, from, wow. from the U.S. Park Service. He gave me his direct number. So what I would like to do is maybe tomorrow morning you and I will get together and have a recorded phone call conversation with this guy from the U.S. Park Service. And... Uh, We'll see if we can get that recorded and maybe use for for a show up and coming. I think we can have a good time with that. So, um, oh, that sounds amazing. I figured that everyone from the Park Service was going to be applying to Burger King tomorrow, but whatever <laughs> be a time, that's fine with me. Uh, dude, I want to put them on the spot. You know, it's one one benefit of being actually accredited press is they have to talk to us. So. That, that's just. I agree with that, Dave. I'm kind of scared. I'm kind of scared for when I get my press pass, because I think I'm just going to end up in all types of weird situations. But it is a nice thing to have because <laughs> you can legitimately put, uh, you know, government officials on the spot. Absolutely. And they can't do anything about it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, the government shutdown thing, man. I mean, that's like semi surreal. I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't think it's going to happen. I mean, but if it does, I think by default, uh, cannabis just become legal across the board, right? Yeah, Dave, I think that you should take over as president of the country and I should just swoop in there as vice president or something while everything's all locked up. Dude, I don't want that. I don't want that task. I mean, granted, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I, I've had people ask me that question before. Like, if you were, could be president for like a month or a week, you know, like, what like changes would you make? And, you know, everyone says, oh, I know what you do. You'll legalize marijuana right away. And I was like, no, that's not my first priority. My first priority is give the government back to the people. That would be my first priority as president is giving making it a people's government once again and let the people's voice count as opposed to now it's a corporate run government. So Yeah, uh, it sounds like an exciting future, Dave. Good luck. <laughs> do I do do I sense a hint of sarcasm in your voice there, Pa? A little, Dave. A little. <laughs> oh, okay. So, what's your opinion of the whole government shutdown thing? Well, I mean, I just think it's kind of hilarious that a few weeks ago they were ready to bomb the shit out of Syria, Dave, and now they uh, don't have any money to deliver our mail. I just, I don't really understand that. I don't understand what the government's doing, but I understand that the government is doing whatever they want, and they're not really interested in the will of the people, which is what you said, which is pretty much why I'm involved in activism, Dave, to try to help grab that back from the government and uh, head towards, uh, you know, a power to the people movement, which I feel like we're building uh, throughout the country at this point uh, via marijuana. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I mean, it, I, what I find amazing is the whole thing. Even forget about the, the fact that was it two weeks uh, last week? It was it a week ago? A week ago, they spent what fifty grand um, just to police the smoke down prohibition, you know. But yet they don't have money to you know do anything else either. So you know, it'll be it'll def- yeah, that's, that's going to be very interesting, Dave. That's another quick thing I wanted to ask you. I was looking through the iTunes today, uh-huh. and the last two shows that I've been on have been labeled explicit. Uh, there wasn't any explicit shows before that. Would you like to, me to cut down on my explicitivity on the show? Um, no, uh, it was just some set, uh, just some settings that uh, needed to be changed, which I did tweak out today when I was making all those uh, updates. Um, to the website and whatnot, so uh, I am uh, happy to say that that should be uh, taken care of and adjusted once uh, iTunes updates their uh, their settings. So. And Dave, the new website looks great. Uh, we have a great lineup coming up over the next couple of weeks. The website looks great. The chat looks great. So if you are listening live, tell your friends, jump on. You have any questions, throw them in there. Uh, I think that uh, it, it looks really nice. And, uh, and we have a great couple weeks lined up. 
Yeah, we do. I mean, tonight we have uh, Diane Formbacher uh, from Ladybud Magazine, and uh, we have on Wednesday Danny Danko from uh, Senior Cultivation Editor from High Times Magazine. Um, and people go to the main site, canatradio.com, and actually see uh, the next two guests we have. Uh, I'll be updating that on a consistent basis so people can see the shows we have upcoming. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, kick into our opening song, uh, some Dank Goodness from Danka, and we're going to be back uh, live with Diane uh, Formbacher from Ladybud Magazine in just a couple minutes. And we're back with Cannabis Network Radio, and I forgot to start the show off by saying today is Monday, September 30th, 2013. Tonight's guest is Diane Fornbacher from, Fornbacher from uh, Ladybud Magazine. I'm sorry for messing up that uh, pronunciation there, Diane. Uh, and we're here with my co-host, uh, N.A. Poe. Uh, welcome to the show, Diane. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well, thank you. And you can call me Diane Formbacher or Backer. Uh, most sure. people say Bacher, but I'll take Bacher. You know, uh, it's fine. Yeah, I have one of those last names, too, that people look at, and they're just like, uh... Yeah, so I'm kind of used to it as well. Um, wow. Um, where to begin? Um, so, Ladybud Magazine. I guess that that's... Yes? 
so inspiration where did the idea come from like tell us a little bit about it and and tell us a little bit about uh, how you got your start in this wonderful world of of marijuana activism oh well that's that's a lot but i will do my best to explain um ladybug magazine is uh the cumulative effort of a lot of people um but primarily i I began Ladybird Magazine uh, when I began becoming an activist. Uh, I'd always been interested in the arts, and uh, when I was a college student at Penn State University branch campus in the mid-90s, um, I was busted for cannabis. And you know, I had a rather tumultuous upbringing, and I you know, did the rigmarole through the uh, psych uh, meds um, crazy environment and they didn't work for me and you know I'm a kind of the kind of person who wants to enjoy life and I am very much in touch with beauty and the possibilities and excitement and adventure uh, but being a sad person in a clinical fashion was very challenging and difficult for me and when I discovered cannabis worked for my symptoms and helped me live a more complete life and I got busted for it um, that really traumatized me more than my depression did because up until that point, I'd really believed that the world cared uh, about people who might be, that, you know, suffering. Funny, yeah, so... Uh, well, that's what, yeah, that's what we're here for. Don't, you know, so, uh, <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh, this really sucks. Um, and, you know, I'm not the kind of person who doesn't take action, you know, so I was really upset and disappointed for a while. Um, I faced a lot of um, you know, charges. I wasn't technically thrown into a prison, but uh, they they threw everything they could at me. I was uh, kicked out of Penn State University. I was asked to reapply again in a few years, but I was only busted with a gram and a pipe with which to smoke it, and I lost the license I didn't have. So when I applied for one, I had to serve a six-month suspension, even though I was not in a car or anywhere near one when it happened. Uh, I have a permanent record for moral turpitude, which sounds more interesting than it actually is. Um, sure. And I ha- was charged with the drug law and cosmetic act. So there's no delineation between whether me having heroin in a needle or cannabis in a pipe uh, in central Pennsylvania. Uh, coincidentally, I was also busted in Anslinger's hometown. So those of you familiar with Harry Anslinger know that he initially made um, <coughs> marijuana illegal in 1937. And I had no idea. And it's also where my father's family is from. And I didn't know any of this until I got busted. So from a historical, uh, for historic perspective, I learned a lot, uh, but it didn't help me. I'm not able to work in health care or with children in the state of Pennsylvania, barring the governor's pardon, which I will not apply for, because uh, they won't give one to me. It's a very invasive process, and given what I do, I don't see at this juncture that Corbett will actually provide a, a pardon for me. Um, but, you know, I... I that, instead of depressing me, incentivized me to make a difference because I just couldn't believe it, you know, uh, that they'd go so far as to take a person who was living a more whole life and then trying to destroy that life because the, I wanted to survive and indeed thrive and was able to achieve that through cannabis. So um, how I got involved led up to where I am now with Ladybug Magazine through being involved with uh, various activist groups throughout you know, the time since the 90s. Um, (laughs) And uh, here I am. You know, I've written for entertainment magazines. You know, I've done industrial film and radio and stuff. But nothing is as exciting as making a difference. So I came, you know, to my knowledge and, I guess, at times, maturity through uh, cannabis, uh, teaching me about the world. I don't know if that answers your question. (laughs) Well, just more on Ladybud. One of my favorite things, personally, about Ladybud is the fact that it is so diverse and there's so many different kinds of articles and there's humor to it. A lot of pod websites and magazines fall into the trap of just doing that. I live with a feminist. We enjoy Ladybug Magazine here because it, is, it, it talks about a lot of different issues relating to you know women and marijuana. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you decided to make this a more open-ended thing that covers more things and has there been any criticism that's come your way uh, for the stuff that you carry on Ladybug? Well, you know, in regard to the content we have on Ladybud, I'll give you a little bit of background here. I, um, I'm on the board at Normal and the Women's Alliance, and I work a lot with the medical marijuana in New Jersey with the coalition. And 
I have to disseminate a lot of information politically. And so I have to be in touch with a lot of the blogs. I have to read the social media. I manage a lot of the pages. I try to do uh, whatever I can to help facilitate dialogue, uh, the, you know, finding more interesting stories explained in a way that, you know, every man and every woman and, 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 and indeed even children can understand. But one of the things that uh, bothered me initially uh, when I started thinking about Ladybug was that I didn't find... Uh, a lot of a break visually and a representation of, of women's issues. Not exclusively women's issues, but it wasn't so inclusive. I mean, I, I think I have a unique perspective on that because I did write for High Times myself um, at one time, was probably the model who wore the most clothes in High Times with Joan of Arc. Um, I also was a managing editor of Skunk, and their demographics are primarily male, 18 to, you know, 40-something set. Um, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone has a demographic. But because uh, I am a woman and, you know, um, relatively hit sometimes, uh, uh, you know, and I have experience in the movement, I kind of just wanted to speak to what I knew, but I also had experience with other demographics. And I, you know, really was able to combine the fact that I worked for, you know, um, magazines that had male demographics that were so huge but still had, you know, female audience that were interested in parts of those magazines but I also am politically involved with the Normal Women's Alliance, and um, I'm a mother. So I was able to really achieve including a broad spectrum of people. Um, now, that being said, I really couldn't have um, done Ladybug magazine um, as well as we are doing right now without the help of the people contributing to it. Uh, Ladybug magazine, we don't pay anybody, but we have very well-respected people with PhDs and you know, um, were heads of, you know, their own police department, you know, not their own, but I mean the police department, you know, ones from law enforcement against prohibition. But I also like to have an entertainment component because having to disseminate so much uh, fascinating but oftentimes uh, dry uh, news uh, information was hard for me because I get a little cross-eyed after a while. I wanted to you know, have a break from that and give people something to laugh at. A lot of these sites deliver very difficult news. The drug war is no joke. It is, it is fraught with tears and people bleed hard for this movement. It's not just about getting high. It's about getting prisoners out of jail. What do we do now that pot's legal? We don't forget about them. These laws aren't retroactive. Families being torn apart. Um, so I wanted to kind of mix it up. I'm not making light of these things by any means, but people need to have news to deliver to them in an intelligent fashion where they can also take a break from it and read something fun and ridiculous. I need to interject for uh, like one second here. Um, one thing about the terminology of getting high, and I clarify this numerous times, is it's a terminology that I like to clarify for people. Getting high is basically improving the quality of your life in any given moment. Why? Because it gives you a feeling of euphoria, gives you a feeling of happiness, uh, gives you a feeling of goodness. So for the people out there that take the word high and use it as a derogatory term towards you know cannabis use or marijuana use, um, you got to look at it this way. We say we're high because we're happy, because our life has just been better than beneficial. And so, you know, we are, are we use the term high because we're high on life. We're high on being happy because that's what the plant does for us, you know, and, and, and we love people that have that voice out there, you know, like yourself, Diane and Poe, like you, that, you know, wants to not only educate people, but entertain as well. And that's a very important facet to what we do as activists, you know, so. Yeah, I sincerely agree with that. And when I say stuff like it's not just about getting high, I'm not inferring um, about it in that sense. Um, but there are people out there who think, you know, achieving legalization means that all they have to do is fight for the recreational right. And it's so much bigger than that. But definitely getting high is really awesome, I've heard. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. in that context, it's definitely, you know, really awesome and you know, that's what I, that's what I really uh, believe. You know, people should have medicine if they feel that that medicine is right for them. But if they want to have fun, if they're responsible and they do no harm, I don't give a shit what you're doing. You know what I mean? Don't break into my house. Don't knock on my door. You know, like, get high, pet a cat. That's awesome. You know, like, you know, I have a problem with SWAT teams coming in and kicking doors mm -hmm. down and traumatizing people and taking their ki people's kids away. That's what I have a problem with, you know? So I think it's great if people want to have a more full life and that's what I'm fighting for but overall it's really about the freedom to do with your body what you choose so long as you do no harm an irresponsible citizen 
Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole concept of the fear that has been established by the the authority or authoritative figure is is been absolutely ridiculous. And the propaganda of reefer madness that the public, you know, backs up as well, even though that's that's shifting right now, um, also doesn't help the scenario because those people who who propagate the propaganda of reefer madness, um, you know, perpetuate that fear and those insecurities and the misinformation and so on and so forth. And, and that's why, you know, my goal is to educate people as much as I can, because I have found in what I do as an activist is when I educate people, whether it be the police themselves, you know, or anyone else, it, I can see that moment where that click happens and they realize, oh, I got it, you know. So, uh, well, they also put you into a corner. It's like if you have kids, um, you know, and you uh, get involved with the marijuana movement and they're coming to take your children. I mean, when I first got involved in marijuana reform, I just liked weed. I was at Occupy Philly. I met Diane. I met Chris Goldstein. But then, like, the drug war hit me, you know, at home. And, you know, Diane has even said to me before, I've seen you, you know, become more seasoned because now it's affected your life. And it's it's strange as it goes on, you know, now Diane's in a position where she has children. I mean, you know, that's something that, that the average person has to worry about. They come out, can't come out and support marijuana because, you know, there is a possibility that their door's going to get banged down and they're going to get their kids taken away. And, and at this point, that is literally absurd. I mean, I'm a father yeah. of, of two boys as well, you know, and, and my ex-wife has never made it easy for me. From, from day one, you know, when she moved to another state and tried getting custody of my kids, she tried using the whole thing of um, I'm a drug you know, dealer, user, pusher because of my influence in cannabis. But the funny part is, you know, the judge in North Carolina, when her attorney tried saying that, she didn't even want to listen to that nonsense. She was like, look, I already looked at what he does, so on and so forth. So she kind of dismissed it, which is kind of cool, I think, you know, because she kind of just was like, you know, shut up. You're not you're not going to get full custody. You're not going to win this. It's not going to happen, you know, whatever, you know, because of this nonsense you're trying to throw at me. So that was a, a, at least a good thing. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a fear, you know, as a father that, you know, uh, you know, as a parent in general, you know, it's a fear when, you know, when you have kids that, that you know, it may have a negative effect on, on them and, and your life. Although, you know, there's so many parents out there right now that, that are fighting to get cannabis legal as medicine for their children because it's the only thing that helps them with their seizures, uh, with their uh, cancer, with any other ailments they may have, you know. So it's such a, a double-edged sword, you know, with cannabis and kids. It's it's such a dynamic topic, you know. It, it, well, I you know. have to really hand a lot of respect to those parents that you just mentioned, to all of the activist parents and people who want to tell their children the truth, despite the dangers they may encounter as a result of being honest with their kids, which should be a cherished characteristic rather than one you get punished for. Uh, I'd like to, you know, really give major respect to the parents of um, Michaela Comstock from Brave Michaela because, you know, there are times where, you know, not only suffering with the potentiality of losing your child's life because they have a terminal illness, but you also have to worry about losing your child while they're undergoing something like say, chemotherapy or um, a bunch of drugs um, because they either have cancer or they have Dravet syndrome, which you're referring to, um, you know, where they have, uh, you know, hundreds of seizures a week, you know, and, um, there are parents like Megan Wilson and Brian Wilson in New Jersey that work with the Coalition for Medical Marijuana New Jersey and, of course, Michaela Comstock, whose parents face that very real possibility. So they were double scary, you know, journeys for that those families. Uh, you know, they, they had to really deal with the round-the-clock treatment and care of trying to save their child's life. At the same time, they were worried about getting medicine for those kids that worked and then having their children taken from them. Now, they didn't have their kids taken from them, but they encounter challenges and judgment all the time. Uh, thankfully, they've gotten so much media. I think that, you know, law enforcement and CPS and local governments may be reluctant, but that really hasn't stopped them in some cases in the past. So I've really got to give it to those parents. Uh, they've really go, gone above and beyond the call of duty when it comes to parenthood. I, I mean, an interesting case that, that I've been following kind of sort of is, is the fight for Lily Fisher. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and, that, and that's been out there as well, where CPS came in in Washington State and removed the daughter from, quote unquote, an unstable environment. Um, when, right. You know, where, where it wasn't per se the child who was in need of, of cannabis, but, you know, the parent who is registered, certified as a patient in the state, um, and yet, you know, CPS came in and took his kid, um, you know, and that's something also that, that you know, 
we have to find a way to to right that wrong as well um, in situations like that. Speaking of which, you know, all of the cases that you and I have been discussing and the ones that we hear about um, in the movement for these parents that have, you know, come topside whether they wanted to or not, had to because of the custody and or, you know, life uh, circumstances or terminality potentially of their children, um, there is a day of action that Moms for Marijuana and Normal Women's Alliance and Moms United and uh, many other groups are joining up together on November 12th to fight against um, these these terrible injustices and the violation of sanctity of these families. Um, so if you anybody who's listening is interested in participating or covering these events or funding them indeed within their local area or nationally, um, you know, contact Moms for Marijuana who's helming this, uh, Sarah Frank, and say that you're interested in helping in some fashion. If you can't be there or you can't show your face at least, you know, like maybe send somebody else there or drop somebody off or make a sign and send it or something because uh, these injustices have to stop. And, and these people who are, who are fighting against these injustices are, are in very, very delicate positions because they're putting themselves out there. And they deserve our respect as well as our support. Not just the, hey, how's it going? You know, I love what you're doing or a thumbs up on Facebook. I mean, the stakes are very high for people who stand out for the rights of other people, especially if they have children. You know, yeah, and I just, I just uh, recently um, started a phone relationship with a lady named Luann Stanley in Mechanicsburg, PA, with her daughter is 16 years old and she has hundreds of seizures a day. I personally think that these parents are the key to legalization. I'm a comic. We're out in the street banging pots and pans. You guys are activists. When politicians see parents, they shriek in fear. Uh, parents, my friend Mike Weider from uh, Pennsylvania Veterans for Marijuana Legalization, our veterans and our parents with sick kids, I think, are, are the key to, to this fight because they don't have anything invested in marijuana per se. They're invested in, in their health and, and trying to get their children you know, the right medicine. So I think it's important that, mm-hmm. you know, we support them more than anyone because Luann is just a woman that's never smoked a joint in her life and we have some really funny conversations. You know, she thinks I'm a nut, you know, but she's a mother and I'm you out are. there to support her. I am a nut, kind of. But I want to put her in front of Congressman. A couple weeks ago when uh, the parent right. in New Jersey got in Christie's face, didn't he change it right away, Diane? Didn't he? That, uh, that was that was Brian Wilson, and you know he faced uh, Chris Christie, Governor Christie. Uh, some of us call him King Christie because I think that's what he thinks he is, poor guy. But um, you know he he confronted him because Governor Christie does these sort of walkabouts and public appearances at the diners and stuff like that, trying to press the lots of flesh and you know i i really admire the wilsons i mean i mentioned them earlier their daughter vivian has dravet syndrome and she's been on you know they've been on lots of tv show and received a lot of coverage in our area and nationally because they really need to get this medicine for a child and much like luann you know they their primary focus is getting a child to suffer less you know uh, you know there's all these headlines these ridiculous headlines Hot for kids, you know, you you watch the news and it's like a tonight. Should we give marijuana to kids? Uh, yeah, we should. If it stops them from suffering and having further brain damage because they're having these seizures that, you know, once the damage is done, it's, it's pretty irreversible. And these children are on a lot of drugs. And some of them, I gesture to say, might be even bringing them closer to death, even though it might be minimizing at best some of their seizures, but not helping them. So... Uh, I was talking to Senator Dalen Leach today, and he actually um, hooked me up with another mother who is is really considering, even though they have a system around her child, you know, when your child is sick, you have lots of doctors, a long history, many, many files. It's a whole system of years and years of accumulated research about this particular individual's case file and illness. And to just up and move, you can't just do that, but some people feel like they have to to save their kids' lives and start all over again. I have to interject something, and I I agree with what you're saying 100%. Now, thank God, my children, they're not, you know, sick in terms of, of, of a grave nature. Now, however, my children are on Vivance because they inherited the lovely crazy attention deficit hyperactivity whatever I disorder. Hope they don't get that beard too disorder disorder for me hey listen dude i rock that beard it's <laughs> like come yeah, on now. so um one of the side effects is mental and psychiatric problems you know bipolar illness uh 
seeing or hearing voices, believing things that are not true, being suspicious, manic symptoms. And this is a drug that my ex-wife, who is a child psychologist for the school, has no problem giving to my children, regardless of the numerous objections that I have, you know, because it's okay because it's FDA approved because a doctor wrote a prescription for it. Now, me, I started using cannabis on a regular basis when I was 14 years old, you know, and not just for quote unquote the recreational uses because I realized when I smoked up with my friends over the weekend, when I went back to school, I was actually able to pay attention. I was able to, my grades, when I started using cannabis, my grades went up. I became a better student. I became able to do my reports. I be able, was able to pay attention. Not only did it enable me to finish high school, which at some points I had very large doubts about ever doing, I went to undergraduate, graduate school. I have a master's. I have a doctorate. And all I attribute all that to my use of cannabis because it focused me into what I needed to do as opposed to being out in la-la land. You know, and people don't understand that. And that, you know, people feel it's okay to just pump their kids full of any drug these days because of the God knows what new disorders popping up, you know, tomorrow for the pharmaceutical industry. So, yeah, give this to your kid, you know, or a doctor to get a comp from a pharmaceutical company, you know, to build up their comp so they can get a trip or a boat or a house or whatever the case is from from a pharmaceutical company when they're writing prescriptions. I mean, I think there's something out there that what three out of every five prescriptions the FDA approves gets recalled for some sort of extreme harm done to a person or group of people every single time you know prescriptions are approved by the fda you know so as far as i'm concerned with both of my children taking vivance for for just a starter that is a health risk to my children more so than cannabis any day of the week so it's not just it's not just you know for children that are sick and dying it should be an alternative uh, medication for you know children that have something as simple as you know attention deficit disorder as opposed to prescriptions that can make give my children psychiatric and mental problems. Yeah, they should well, take the soda machines out of school. My, I I never you know my, my opinion is if it works for you then then you should have it. Um, if you're under eighteen and you have a doctor's prescription for cannabis then you should definitely have it. I'm not saying that cannabis should be exclusively for the sick and dying children, but I am saying they take incredible risk in using them as an example of a very, very serious um, situation that I think deserves their respect for sticking up for their children. Absolutely. Certainly speaking, I mean, uh, bipolar illness in and of itself can be a terminal illness, and um, I'm not sure about the specifics of the case uh, you were mentioning with the Vyvanse, but a Vyvanse is a very serious drug, you know? It's speed. um, I, you know, yeah, so it's... um, it's really strange, you know, you can, a lot of people really love the rock star drinks and, and the Red Bull and stuff, and that stuff's um, legal. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, like I said before, if you use something responsibly and you do no harm, then um, you should be left alone. But if you do harm, regardless of what you're on, then, then we need to talk. And, you know, it's like, I, I really think that our country has uh, got a lot of priorities backwards, uh, but it's not simply a matter of having things backwards, it's a matter of having them backwards and doing a lot more damage to your citizens than they're actually helping them. So the overall war on drugs is uh, a complete failure, and I'm glad to see that you know momentum is changing. I certainly wish I could snap my fingers and make it all happen 100% right away, but I definitely think we're well on our way to seeing some really big changes on a lot of fronts. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think so. Diane, uh, Diane, within the panic hour uh, movement lately uh, with the females involved, um, we've been talking a lot about the role of women in cannabis. Um, What would you say to a young girl that wants to get involved in the cannabis movement? It it, it is a um, male-dominated movement. What do you say, being a woman that's, you know, rose through the proverbial ranks of this, what would you say to a young girl that, that, that wants to get a lot involved and is a little scared because of, you know, uh, people like N.A. Poe involved in the movement? <laughs> well, I mean, I would tell, you know, just about anybody the same thing, and that is be aware, educate yourself, find what you're good at doing, try to do it as best you can, and really try to focus because there's a lot going on, and there's room for everybody to really activate, um, I mean, I think that's a pretty accurate word, um, to help 
further the momentum that is there and builds upon the work of so many others who have come for them. Uh, find out who your heroes are, um, you know, find out who needs help, who might have more experience than you, and in exchange for your help, you can learn. I mean, that's really how I was able to um, glean a lot of my experience was just ask, you know, to look around and see who I really jived with and be able to learn from them. And then um, I brought in the spectrum of my knowledge by fighting the overall drug war and volunteering at uh, needle exchange vans um, to, you know, volunteer at um, anti-poverty groups so I could see the whole picture. That was really one of the stipulations behind uh, the first time I received major funding from a donor. The stipulation was you'll get funded every quarter, but you need to understand the bigger picture of the drug war. So I want you to go to other places that talk about, you know, housing and poverty and, um, you know, uh, intravenous drug use and clean needle exchange programs. I want you to understand the prison industrial complex, you know. I volunteer with the November Coalition, which is a prisoner's advocacy group uh, with a primary focus on drug war prisoners, not exclusive to cannabis, but included cannabis prisoners as well. So broaden the spectrum of your knowledge and understand the bigger picture and find out where your passion lies. If if you're good at sign making, well, hell, you know, we need some good signs if you're good at... Um, you know, creating content or disseminating news that came out and, and, and offering a unique opinion for your organization's website, well, then by all means, be the news person there. You know, if, if uh, making fundraising calls or throwing parties is your thing, try to figure out a way to help a local nonprofit because, you know, they're called nonprofits for a reason. You know, most of them don't really turn a profit. They get money in order to facilitate their ability to make a difference, and they can always use that help, you know, make copies of the office, file, you know, uh, you know what I mean, like find some advertisers for a radio show or something like that, you know. Amen. It's not just, uh, you know, activism either, you know, just you know, find somebody in the industry to emulate, see if you can get some training out of some trade or you know, uh, offer up your resume and make a connection. Capitalize your first name and last name on LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, things like that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump to a quick break here, and we'll be back in just a few minutes with uh, some more Cannabis Network Radio. Thank you. 
sunshine when she's gone It's not warmer when she's away Cause ain't no sunshine when she's gone She's always gone too long Every time she goes away Every time she goes away Welcome back to Cannabis Network Radio. That was Heritage with Ain't No Sunshine. Um, for all you out there uh, listening in, in digital radio listener land, um, check out canatradio.com. Uh, we have all kinds of new stuff, features added on there. Um, we are going to go ahead and have uh, introduction every single uh, week on who we're going to be hosting, uh, who's going to be our guest on Cannabis Network Radio, as well as we have an integrated chat function um, on our listen and chat page where you can go ahead and uh, chat with us live from pretty much any device you own, from a mobile phone to a... Except for your vibrator, Dave. You can't use a vibrator. If your vibrator can get to the internet, you can use a vibrator. Hey, listen, technology is coming leaps and bounds. I'm sure there's a vibrator out there that is connected via Bluetooth or wireless or something like that that we can go ahead and integrate into this. So be sure to go ahead and check out our new chat feature, um, canatradio.com. Bring your vibrators, bring your mobile phones, use your mobile phone as a vibrator while you're chatting with us on Cannabis Network Radio. It'll add some spice to the mix. that kind of party tonight. Hey, listen, you know, I was in the adult entertainment industry for a decade before I started doing this. This is definitely my bag for sure. (laughs) So uh, I'm all all about it. So yes, so as you're going ahead and using your mobile phone as a vibrator, chatting with us on Cannabis Network Radio, um, it'll definitely make things, you know, fun and interesting. All right, moving right along from that segment now. um, Poe, what we got? You asked for it. Hey, listen. All right. So, Diane, you still with us? Or do we lose you? Yeah, yeah. I guess this is the perfect segue to the Normal Women's Alliance. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. In in 30 seconds or less, Normal's Women's Alliance. The Normal Women's Alliance is primarily made up of women, but it's not exclusive to women. We're men, women, children, and families, and we're seeking to not just legalize cannabis, but also industrial hemp, and to further along the medical marijuana movement. We are people from America, but also from all the countries in the world, and we want progress, and we are achieving that. But we would like to, people to know that progress is never something you're just finished with, that it's a continual process, and we are helping to facilitate that with women and everyone, everywhere, all the time. Cool. Check out Normal's Women Alliance and uh, see what that's yeah, all first, about. The first time I ever got involved with with cannabis reform, I, I met the Normal Women's Alliance, and it, and it, it's it's nice to see my girlfriend is very about women, and you know, to have women be on the front lines of this, mothers, sisters, you know, it, it, it's a beautiful thing, and, and it makes uh, the community seem more well rounded because you know, the guys are guys. <laughs> Yes, yes. I don't know about that. You know, I, I, I yeah. Okay, uh, moving right along. So, uh, nonetheless, um, Poe, what you got for Diane? Uh, Diane, do you have some yeah. stuff coming up this this fall with the Normal Women's Alliance or with Lady Bud Magazine? Lady Bud Magazine puts stuff out pretty much uh, weekly, a couple articles a week, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we we have about five to seven. We, our pieces are a little bit more deliberate, but we also cover um, reviews of eco-conscious and sustainable um, right-thinking companies that have, you know, a stake in making the world a better place. So um, we also um, are doing a lot of, you know, funny stories. We talk about sex and things like that. Um, as far as appearances for Ladybug Magazine, wherever I go, Ladybug is. I'll be in New York City in the middle of October. Um, on October 11th in the evening, we are probably going to be doing an off-the-cuff fundraiser with board members because uh, that's where we're having our meeting. And then I will be in California a week after that in the Bay Area, you know, holding some meetings and things like that. Um, and then I'll be in Los Angeles in November, um, hopefully hanging out with my buddies from Buds and Roses Collective and Nico Hester Perez, who we have just um, added to our board at the Normal Women's Alliance from the Unconventional Foundation for Autism. And in December, I'll be appearing on the 7th at the World Famous Cannabis Cafe's Oregon Medical Cannabis Awards as a celebrity panelist. Um, so <laughs> uh, that should be fun. 
Well, that sounds like an amazing fall, Diane. I mean, the West Coast and East Coast are so different. I've recently just got out there for the first couple times, and it's like living in another world. So we appreciate that you stay here on the East Coast and fight really hard with us instead of just, you know, using the escapism of West Coast cannabis culture to uh, solve your problems. Thanks for staying on the front lines with us. Well, Poe, what do we have coming um, up? I appreciate it. Thank you. What do we yeah. do? We have anything coming up, Poe? Like anything? I know there's some sort of something in upstate New York that we're going to be. Yeah, I think at. we're going to upstate New York for Dan Sands Festival. There, uh, Ray Kwan's up there. Um, a couple other bands. I think we're going to go camp in the woods for a couple of days and uh, do some live broadcasting and do some jokes. The Panic Hours uh, signed a deal with uh, Woodshop Films in Philadelphia to put out all our productions. So we're going to be traveling around as much as we can. Dave, we have Weed Not Greed in the works. So That's right. uh, I think. You know, the time has come for the tidal wave of marijuana reform to crash to the shore. Diane, have you heard about Weed Not Greed Tour? Um, it sounds fascinating, and I like rhyming things, <laughs> but no. <laughs> well, um, basically what, what we're going to be uh, doing is uh, launching a national education tour with a 45-foot tour bus that's going to go around Ooh. to the most the hardest-hit uh, areas. It's a project I've been working on since 2010, and I'm trying to make okay. this a reality this year. And basically, we're going to get on the road, and we're going to advocate uh, and educate. More e more educate than advocate. We're going to advocate through education um, and educating people, because the advantage to having a huge billboard, 45-foot billboard, more or less, uh, you know, advocating legalization is the education opportunities we have at any moment uh, while driving this around. And we're going to keep this on the road and we're going to go to places where it's needed. Um, and we're going to educate and inform people and provide information to people uh, what they need as well as have a good time as well. So uh, be on the lookout for some uh, exciting news and updates from, um, from, uh, you know, the Weed Not Greed Tour and uh, Cannabis Network Media Group. Yeah, so. well, that sounds Weed, fascinating. Yeah. That sounds fascinating. I appreciate people who know how to travel in style and are doing good at the same time because not everyone who travels in style feels uh, responsible for educating the masses about things that can make a difference. So kudos to you guys and the Weed Not Greed Tour. I hope uh, to see you guys on the on a stop somewhere. Oh, abso free. absolutely. We are definitely uh, collecting our, our participants, speakers, advocates uh, in the process right now and uh, funding and all that good stuff that goes along with a project of this magnitude. So, uh, whatever. Well, I hope, you, you know, part of your playlist while you guys are traveling are some mid to late 90s Dr. Dre and Snoop. Am I right? Absolutely. You know that, Diane. That's, uh, that's where we all grew up, right? Yeah, abs absolutely, man. That's old school. That's that's my kind of well, music. I think we got down and <laughs> Dave and I did some dancing after the Boston Freedom Rally. Did we not? We oh, that floor up. we sure did. You know, you definitely, you definitely brought out the dancing... Uh, Whatever in me, uh, whatever. I heard know. that. Dan I, I dancing into queen band backstage at the show the other night, and I just couldn't say anything to him. I usually can say anything to anyone, but seeing Method Man and Red Man together, I did get to watch them from the side of the stage. But seeing seeing guys like that that we all grew up with. Have you ever met Snoop Dogg, Diane? Snoop Lion. I haven't met Snoop Dogg, but when I was in the same room with him, I also found myself in the same position. Where I was just like, oh my god, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted. I wanted to hang, you know, like when I saw, uh, when I was, I got a picture taken with, um, not Sundog, but, you know, God. when I got pictures with, uh, Cypress Hill, I was very, very nervous. I, I thought I'd be a lot cooler than I was. And I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. Uh, but, uh, I, even now I'm just like, uh, uh, uh. I don't know. I've never but, been, you know, I mean. I've it's never been awesome. intimidated by a celebrity. I kind of just like hanging out well, with them and I'm chilling with them. I'm not intimidated. I'm cheesing. There's a difference. I'm Fair not enough. intimidated. Fair yeah, enough. I, mean, I was driving around in my first car listening, listening <laughs> to Snoop Dogg and Method Man. It was like an 86 Buick smoking blocks of dirt weed, and now I'm standing next to, next to the guy. So it's nice that so many uh, entertainers are involved in the cannabis community. You know, it's, it's funny. I remember in 2008, you know, I went to uh, my first, my first cannabis cup and that's kind of like when I started somewhat as being a, a vocal yeah. activist and so now this year 2013 not only am I going to be at the cannabis cup in Amsterdam I'm going to be there as broadcasting from cannabis network radio I'm going to be there behind the scenes I'm going to be there as as a guest of high times and I'm, and I'm super excited about that so yeah it's, it's kind of interesting how things change you know from being an, being an attendee to being a part uh, a, a whatever you want to call it participant I guess so or, or, mm -hmm. or you know whatever it's really nice 
So, <clears throat> Diane, you are more than welcome to to hang with us and put your two cents in uh, in regard to to this whole conversation. But we're going to actually add a segment uh, into the show right now uh, that we're going to actually do every single show, and we're going to call it Pot Shots. Um, basic, okay. Basically, okay. What, what we're doing is we're going to go ahead and take the schmuck of the week or the day or okay. whatever the case is or organization that is doing something that is so preposterous, you know, in regard to, you know, the anti-legalization efforts. And we're going to go ahead and, and basically just dish on them and, and give them our true opinion of, of, of what we feel about their uh, um, messaging or whatnot. Um, this, so, one's cra- this one's crazy, Dave. Why don't so you set it up? I'm going to set it up, but I want to start out by saying this to everyone that's listening. May the karma that you bestow upon us come back to you in every way that you portray it upon us, in both positive and negative. I believe very strongly in karma, and that goes out to all the people out there that are both in a positive and a negative manner. May everything that's you... the book of Kowalski, 316. Absolutely. May everything... You give, you get back in turn. So, having said that, um, okay. So, there was a conference uh, the weekend of September 23rd and 24th of September. And I know it was this is a little bit old news, but the statement is so preposterous that I need to go ahead and, 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 and comment on it. Now, basically, they sent out a message prior to the weekend of this event now, this is, this is run by the Coalition for Drug-Free California and Drug-Free America Foundation Incorporated. Now, Drug-Free America Incorporated, or whatever foundation incorporated, is actually in my backyard. They're in St. Pete. Um, but nonetheless, basically, they sent out a, a statement, and I'm, I'm going to read this statement, and then I'm going to kind of comment on it or do whatever. So, here it goes. And this, again, is from the... Uh, Drug-Free America Foundation in regard to the 2013 National Marijuana Policy and Strategy Conference that was held in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Due to a threat of disturbance from the radical drug legalization groups, we have taken significant safety precautions. As many of you, as many of your, whatever, will begin your travel tomorrow and Saturday, please be advised in big capital letters. Ticket holders, ensure you check uh, ensure you check a message Sunday evening from Eventbrite and gives the information for our new conference location. It will be within a 25-mile radius of Rancho Cucamonga. We have moved the start time to 9.15 to allow for any deviation in your schedule. Our new location is a hotel in general vicinity. They provide complimentary shuttles to and from Ontario Airport. Do not show up to Victoria Gardens. A hostile pot crowd will be there, and they have threatened to get themselves arrested due to the nature of our peaceful conference and many children who are registrants. We are forced to make this decision. It has also been brought to our attention that one of the key protest organizers has been investigated for child pornography. He is a concern to us all. We will discuss his investigation that originated in Oregon in 1998 and hope to discuss this with all the media as well. The drug legalization crowd is well known for being hostile and at times outright dangerous. The many videos found on YouTube by pot groups, including the shooting at a Denver pot event earlier this year, is yet more proof of the radicalization of these antisocial individuals who lack common sense, patience, and restraint. We have recorded and retained threatening messages and emails. As you know from research, marijuana causes significant mental problems. And we clearly do not want to be near a crowd of people with mental problems who exhibit a failure in judgment and propensity for violence. Okay. Uh, sounds like the federal government says anything report against me. So, first and foremost, explicit or not, fuck you. That's all I can say for starters, since we're going to go ahead and do this on a, on a straight-up rant. Just straight-up fuck you. Okay, now that I got that out of my system, um, maybe that was hostile. I'm sorry. I apologize. You know, no, I, 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 I take that back. You know, I really didn't mean that. I, I'll say it this way. Fuck you. Not, not, so, not, so, not so aggravated, not so, not so violently, you know, whatever. I mean, nice and sen- nicest way possible. Now, um, talking about reefer madness being alive and well. Wow, and um, it's, it's just insane. Who in this day and age, especially in California, who I'd like to go there just to interview the people that would be involved in the anti-pot movement at this point. Who are these people? 
I, I who are these people? It, it's you can come you can come to Tampa, Florida, and talk to Calvina Fay or the Sembler family. Uh, they are Drug Free America Foundation. I mean, you know, great group of people. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's like one of those places I want to take that bus and just park it right. Oh, sorry, we can't do that. Uh, it might break down um, in front of their home. I don't know. You know, have some mechanical difficulties for a couple days. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. You know, it, it would kind of be like one of those things. Now, in regard to the whole uh, hostile at times and outright dangerous. Now, I think in, in, in I don't know, the years I've been doing this, I have been to a plethora uh, of cannabis events. And aside from the police being hostile and violent towards people at some of the events, I can't think of any I have been to, including Seattle Hempfest, which in you know has crowds of over three hundred thousand people. That there's any type of per- violence or, or fighting or whatever the case is. Now, one thing also that is, I was in Denver when that shooting happened at four twenty. Now, I'm not going to perpetuate conspiracy theories or whatever the case is, so on and so forth. But not only did the Denver police make a statement that it was unrelated to the 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 whole. 420 event it was totally separate from that which was documented okay yes it scared people it had nothing to do with the cannabis movement it had to do with a personal vendetta within you know a person's life that can happen anywhere it could even happen at your uh national marijuana policy and strategy conference if another dude was sleeping with another guy's wife because you know shit like that happens it has nothing to do with being a marijuana user or not now um I think marijuana is linked to sleeping with other people's wives or something. I don't know. I read that somewhere. <laughs> I hope not. You know. No. Okay. I, I hope okay. not. You know, because that's that's just that, yeah. that's uncool as far as I'm concerned. But non- nonetheless, um, I, I I'm trying to understand this propensity for violence. Like, where do they get this from? Like, isn't like um, I believe it's a condition called stupidity and grasping at straws out of desperation because we're winning and they don't like that. Yeah, uh, I mean, just, just to listen to to the crap that they go ahead. Aside from the fact that the, that the, whoever wrote this doesn't know how to like write properly, um, but having said that, um, like this whole thing here um, is just completely and totally. I don't. I don't even know where to go with this. I mean, you know what? I, I think at this point, Poe, I'm going to let you go with this one because you. I think you're a lot better at like kind of. Because I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to get aggravated. So I'll let you flow with this one. Well, sure. And the federal government, you know, when they came after me, they said that the crowds were violent and belligerent after I was arrested. Uh, you know, well, it's like you said, the drug war is on its last legs. Diane Formacher, they, you were, they, they showed video of you right up in there. And you know, uh, the state is at the point where they're, you know, they're trying to attack our civil liberties, and they're, like, basically up on the ropes, you know, throwing their last punches against people. I mean, stuff like this is almost comical. It makes me uh, wish that we could have got out there and interviewed some of these people, because calling us radical and all that stuff is just literally, you know, ridiculous. And it's it's upsetting that in all places, California, which obviously has implemented a fairly decent uh, medical marijuana project because I can sit in a car outside of a uh, dispensary and get my friends in to go get weed, so that doesn't seem that hard. Uh, That's all you know, it's just scary the, that this is still going on. Before, before Poe was summarily, I mean, pretty much, um, I, I'd say demise. I mean, I was there, I witnessed it. It happened right literally at my feet when they attacked him. Prior to uh, that happening, I did a speech, and you can see clearly on the video that the people who were listening to the speech were peaceful and paying attention and disseminating information. I was doing an inspirational speech about self-autonomy at the Liberty Bell in the shadow of Independence Hall, where you know a lot of our uh, country was founded in uh, documents, and uh, the birth of our country happened. You know, I mean, you could argue with Boston, but um, really a lot of it happened in Philadelphia. And at this historic place where we were talking about self-autonomy and people were listening very calmly in a light drizzle, uh, they weren't violent. We were aggravated by um, the federal park police teaming up with numerous city park police or city uh, Philadelphia city police. Um, They're the ones who moved in aggressively to bust people um, doing civil disobedience. But 
you know, how hard is it to walk up to somebody as they have done at other smoke uh, down prohibition events to just simply walk up and issue a citation? They went charging in. They went charging in and throwing people around, you know, and then they said we were acting violently and aggressively. How else do you expect people to react when they've seen something so traumatizing as a compatriot of theirs who is simply engaging in civil disobedience on a place reserved for freedom of speech that is historically for our freedom set forth for self-autonomy and other rights at the very place it was founded and having soldiers of the state come in and do these things? I mean, I was really challenged to have to, you know, keep my leadership skills because my heart was beating so fast and I was just so disappointed and it was just such a scuffle and a mess. I mean, it was really disheartening. I wasn't surprised by it, but it's been a while since I'd seen something that overt, aggressive for what? Kansas? Freedom of speech? Oh my God, you know, bring out the tanks. Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, like, we're going to have to wrap this up soon, but, but honestly... What I can say is, out of all the events I have attended, all the events I have attended, the only, the only violence that has occurred is due to the police or other federal or state officials that have taken an aggressive stance to people going ahead and advocating something that is their civil right to do. And the, perpetuity of, the, the perpetuating of violence is from our government not from the people that are attended there. So I want to be clear and people understand that. And you can look at numerous, numerous videos that have been recorded from Poe's arrest to other people's arrest. We are not doing anything except for advocating what we believe in, what should be a free civil liberty to go ahead and do, is consume cannabis to better the quality of our lives in a whole. And the only violence that is perpetuated is from police and other law enforcement agencies and that's and there's nothing to argue about the proof is right there and you know when people like uh the drug free america foundation comes out with statements like that it just proves how incompetent they are i mean to make a statement like that and to put any person that's an advocate for cannabis in that in that realm of what they perpetuated um you know in that statement just makes them look childish and silly and they're grasping at straws now if anyone is interested in going ahead and contacting drug free america yeah. foundation incorporated 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 remind that incorporated uh allegedly they're 501c3 nonprofit, but you know nonetheless um I'm going to go ahead and give out their phone number and address. Now, as I'm saying as I'm saying this, I'm going to urge everybody, if you're going to contact these people, do not have a a uh, violent streak or make threatening phone calls. That's just dumb. However, this is an opportunity to educate the people at Drug Free America Foundation, even though they know the truth, but it's their job to perpetuate the nonsense. Now, their address, and there is Drug Free America Foundation, 5999 Central Avenue, Suite 301, St. Petersburg, Florida, 33710. Their phone number is 727-828-0211. Their webpage is dfaf.org. And basically... And feel, feel free to bring them up to speed on evolution, you know, that, that, while you're, that while too. you're at it. And also, if, like, for example, I, I, I sent a letter to them, and I have to pull out the email, and I'll share it, but I did email them um, as a member of the pro-legalization community that I was, that, that they, I felt like they were slandering me, personally, um, because they were pulling nonsense out of their butts, as far as I'm concerned, when they went ahead and issued a statement like that. Um, but Drug Free America, and I'm, and I'm going to actually close on this, Drug Free America is an organization that has one thing behind it that the cannabis legalization movement does not, and that is funding. That is funding that they can perpetuate the nonsense like this and to put on uh, their seminars and so on and so forth. Now, for everyone out there in the pro-cannabis movement and all you gondrepreneurs and the, and the people that cannabis has made you multimillionaires, now is the time for y'all to pitch in. Because now is when we need you the most to stand up and let our voices be heard and to go up against Drug Free America Foundation. It is my mission and my goal to go ahead and get these people shut down one way or another and to go ahead and be able to 
p- put enough PR against these people with everything they come out with, I want to be able to rebut it every single time. In order to do yeah, that, I, like I can find some comedic ways to do that as well, Dave. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I mean, because these these people are the foundation. I mean, they they dumped ten million dollars into trying. Now, I'm happy to say they dumped ten million dollars into trying to fight the legalization of cannabis in Washington, in Colorado, and Washington State because they lost. They blew the money on nothing. Now, that ten million dollars could have been spent a whole lot better. Um, you know, Mr. Sembler and Miss Fay and all those other people out there. Um, you know, that $10 million could have fed homeless people and, and, and clothed people that need clothing and supported education for children that are lacking and things like that as opposed to perpetuate your nonsense about the world of, of, of cannabis use, which has been debunked over and over and over again. And, and you know, you got to pick your fight on dr- about drugs that actually are, are making a, a, a negative impact, starting with illegal p- pill mills and the amount of, of the fact that the state that you're based out of is known as the home of the Oxycontin Express. Not not the cannabis express, but the Oxycontin Express. So you know, and that's in your backyard, uh, Drug Free America Foundation. It's time to concentrate on things that are a real problem instead of making a fool of yourselves by saying that we're violent and things like that when advocating for for cannabis legalization. So you know, yeah, and fuck you, Eastern District of Pennsylvania. Yeah. All right. Well, having said that, well, I got a house CPS. Yep. We're giving a shout out to everyone, everyone we love. But you know what? We're coming at you. You know what? And we're building up a monster here. And the Cannabis Network Media Group is going to be a tool that everybody within the legalization movement is going to be able to use to get accurate, honest, truthful, straight to the point knowledge about cannabis and all of its benefits. And we're going to go ahead and sweep away all those questions that people have because we're not afraid to answer any question. You have any problems, any concerns, any questions, just ask us. And not only will we give you an answer, we'll back it up with facts. Yeah, and we'll we'll help you out. I mean, imagine CNN hosted not by Anderson Cooper, but by Dave and I. (laughs) Yep, it'll be a whole... being about weed all the time. It'll be a whole new ball game. It's a whole new world. And, you know, we're we're not only in it for, for the legalization, but we're in it for the the long haul of making sure that when things are legalized uh, across the United States that it's regulated and administered properly so everyone has access to to what they need. All right. Well, Diane, thank you for being on with us here on Cannabis Network Radio. And uh, I'm your host, David Kowalski, and your co-host, Poe, wishing everyone a good and safe evening. And thank you for joining us here. And be sure to check us out on iTunes, rate us, review us. And I hope everyone has a good night. Good night.